0: to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Emily Hutchinson. And I'm your co-host, Megan Voll.
1: And Megan, I have a question for you before we start. Have you ever heard of Doppler? Only in Big Bang Theory when he dresses up, when Sheldon dresses up on Halloween as the Doppler effect and goes, nah, yep, and that, that is the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> you know what,
0: that's the extent of my knowledge too, so it's great that we have a guest who is in biomedical engineering and we, he can talk to us a little bit, yeah. maybe not about that exactly, <laughs> but something related, so welcome to GradCast, Keon Esamalian.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about talking about Doppler in ultrasound. In ultrasound.
0: okay, so that's a great place to get us started. So could you tell us, in just a couple sentences, a general idea of what you study?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, People may know ultrasound uh, by its imaging ability, like distinguishing gender of a baby or something like this. However, the way that we are using ultrasound is estimating flow or velocity inside body by using Doppler effect. Uh, by getting the sound uh from body so this is a general idea of using doppler in ultrasound so uh, i can talk in detail about yeah, it if yeah yeah go for it please yep. sure so based on the phase shift of the signal uh, we can understand how much the phase of a signal is different so based on some mathematical operations we can estimate Uh, how fast a scatterer is moving through body. And uh, by using a lot of techniques, we can estimate uh, how fast the flow propagates inside body. And if we do that, we will no longer using MRI or CDS scan to estimate velocity because ultrasound is super affordable compared to MRI and CDS scan. And it is using non-ionizing wave, so it's safe unlike CT scan and uh, X-ray, and it's portable. If you saw an MRI device, it's massive and Mm -hmm, we cannot uh, have it in lots of places, but you can carry ultrasound wherever you want. So these are the reasons why that uh, we like to use ultrasound device to estimate velocity.
0: Okay, and then just to so that we're on the same page, is it the velocity of your blood or exactly. other things? What in the body is making these sounds?
2: <laughs> uh, actually, uh, we are using an ultrasound probe, like a transducer, and we generate the sound by that transducer sounds propagates in body and it's interact with some organs ah. and then we record the sound okay. and we convert it to voltage mm-hmm. and then we have the signal and we can do the post processing on the signals
0: Okay so the body parts aren't making the sound you're bouncing yep. sound off of them like a bat
1: Okay oh, it exactly. is like echolocation mm. so Okay maybe yep. kind of like that Okay so Kian I I'm, s- I'm sad you didn't dress up like the Doppler effect for us <laughs> in here first of all, you know I was really <laughs> expecting you to just walk in that suit. Um, but it's really interesting that you're you're doing this on blood because that's not the first thing I would think of when you say ultrasound. Yep. So I'm wondering if maybe you can elaborate further on like the medical usage of, of doing this work yeah, for sure. our viewers who maybe don't know at all what, <laughs> what this is about.
2: Yeah, if we know how fast the blood should propagate, uh, we would understand if there is a kind of disorder in some people who has a contraction or something in their blood. For instance, uh, we may know that the blood, uh, the, the speed of uh, flow in some specific part of the body should be 200 millimeter per second. And if we examine it and it would be like 150, we will find out there is a problem here. Mm. So then we can, not we, the clinician can, <laughs> uh propose a technique or something to help the patient okay yeah,
0: yeah. so you say not we so you're not the clinician so no. what is your side of this are you trying to improve it or figure out another way of doing the same thing for cheaper what, what's your place in this um,
2: actually um, i'm studying biomedical engineering so uh the way that we estimate velocity right now it's uh not perfect it's somehow it underestimates the velocity. So we want to increase the accuracy by um, doing some post-processing on the signal. Uh, if you remember, I told you the uh, sound that we get, we should convert it to voltage, and mm-hmm. then we should have post-processing on that signal. So by applying comp- uh, appropriate filtering or something like this, we should improve the accuracy of uh, flow, and then uh, we can uh, improve this device.
1: Mm-hmm. So talk a lot about devices and um this doppler methodology i'm sorry i'm not someone who's i'm not in the sciences so i'm going to be asking very very basic questions here um and i like to visualize so i guess what what does this methodology or process look look like exactly like how how do you how do you get these doppler (laughs) effects um what what is that daily process of getting this look like for you
2: uh, that's actually a great question. Um, actually, the conventional ultrasound uh, works as a fixed focusing on the transmission. So uh, consider there is a rectangle element. And this rectangle element have uh, some apertures, like 128 apertures. And by, ap- uh, by applying appropriate delays to each one of the apertures, we are going to have fixed focusing on a single point in medium. So that's actually really time consuming, and the frame rate is so low. Uh, the technique that we are using right now is not uh, applying any delays to the apertures. So all the elements are going to be excited at the same time. So the frame rate would be increased by 300 times. So. Um <clears throat> When the sound propagates in medium and we recorded it, um, in each transmission and reception, the phase of the signal is going to be different. So by measuring the phase difference and the difference between uh, the phase of each echo, uh, we can estimate how fast the flow is going to be uh, move mm-hmm. in body.:
1: And just a follow- up, what are apertures?
2: Um, there are piezoelectric elements mm-hmm. okay yeah
0: okay uh, can you help us kind of visualize this a little bit more I liked where you're going with the rectangle <laughs> thing so so when you're doing this what does it look like is it like a bunch of different machines is it more computer models like what are you actually working with uh, describe your, yeah. your machinery <laughs>
2: uh, actually ultrasound device has a monitor mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. something like a probe yeah okay and that probe consists some if you look directly at the probe, you can see some tiny squares in that probe yeah. that are the piezoelectric elements. Okay. So those piezoelectric elements are responsible for transmitting and generating sound. Yep.
1: Okay. And one of the, the I'm going to go back to Doppler's because it's, it's still interesting <laughs> to me. Um, I need to learn more about it clearly. Um, you talk about color plane Doppler's in your yep. research. Yeah. Can you elaborate on what those, what it is, what those are?
2: Exactly. That's a great question. Actually, the previous version of Doppler ultrasound used just a A-mode graph. It was like a A-mode image. Uh, it was not colorful. Uh, there was a line graph that the clinician must uh, it uh, must had a prior knowledge on how to. Um, analyze that image. But right now, uh, we have a ultrasound image, like the grayscale image, mm-hmm. and those parts that are moving are going to be colored. Okay. By, uh, and each color uh, represents an actual velocity. Mm. So, for example, if the color is red, it means that the flow is going uh, towards the transducer, and it, it it was blue, it means it's going... What is the opposite of towards? Away. Away. <laughs> 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 Transducer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. And then, can you tell us a little bit about your day-to-day life? And so, when you wake up in the morning and you go to work and you're working on your PhD. Yes, All right. So, what what does your day look like? What do you start to do?
2: Uh, first, I should go to lab. Okay. Uh, my lab is in Roberts Research Institute. It's mm-hmm. next to um, University Hospital. Yeah. So. Um, Actually, I should be in my lab around 9, but sometimes I go there at 9.30. Yeah, i <laughs> <bit of> late <laughs> sleep. Um, and uh, first, I should read some papers. Mm-hmm. It's actually what I'm doing, because in the early morning, I prefer to read some papers, mm-hmm. some um, state of the art techniques that propose in my field. And then I'm going to work on uh, my data set mm-hmm. uh, to Improve their accuracy because uh, the data set and um, the data set that I have right now again has an underestimate uh, velocity. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to improve uh, their accuracy and when I look at the clock, and then yeah. it would be like six p.m. or seven p.m. <laughs> okay. So I yep. should go so back then home. You go home. Yeah, you enter
1: mm-hmm. the time warp from nine. <laughs> six. And
2: also the TA the assignment. TA. Yeah, yep. I should mark too many assignments.
1: Yeah. That's yep. So what drove you to this research? Like, what um, I guess made you interested in, in mm-hmm. looking at uh, doppler effects and, and blood flow <laughs> and all of those things
2: that's, that's actually a great one uh, actually i work on ultrasound when i was master student mm-hmm. actually i finished my master in iran in 2021 and back then i just worked on ultrasound images to improving the image quality mm-hmm. and during my master i read one of uh, the paper of Dr. Leisfield, my current supervisor, and he worked on Doppler ultrasound, and I found his work really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So after I have graduated with my master, I emailed him and I told him i really into this field. Mm-hmm. I like ultrasound and the Doppler ultrasound seems really cool. So uh, do you have opening for uh, summer semester? It was summer 2022. And he told me, yeah, we have. So we had an interview and yeah, he got me. The, the rest history. <laughs> history. Oh, jinxed, jinxed me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, that's really cool. So you're still kind of at the beginning of your PhD.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: so you started in the summer of 2022. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And then, so so where are you in your progression? Like, are you still, uh, like, are you going to do different chapters all kind of relating to the same thing? And then, so what are your goals for, for what you're going to do in the future, in the it, next coming years? Yeah. If that's you know, sometimes one. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. hard to know. Uh,
2: actually, um, the Phantom that I'm using right now is the simplest type of phantom. Mm-hmm. So we want to make it a little more complex, like a rotating disk or um, a pulsar type flow, because okay. the phantom that we are using right now is has a constant flow. So it's really easy to estimate that's, uh, the velocity of that phantom. Right. So, our first step is to make our phantom complicated Mm -hmm. and our next step is uh, we want to apply some weighting factor to each one of those apertures to see if they can improve the accuracy or not. We are not sure about it, but we are going to test it.
0: Okay. So, how does making it more complicated make it better? Could you explain that a little bit?
2: Uh, If our technique works well in the complicated phantoms, Mm -hmm. so we make sure that the technique works. Okay. But uh, right now, it just uh, experienced and examined in some easy phantom. So we are not sure yet if it works on complicated phantom or, in general, on some complex part of body like heart. Okay. Because in heart, the blood is going to change rapidly yeah. and the velocity is very high and the background of the ho- heart is moving. Right. So.
0: So what body part would you be using it on instead yes. of the heart? Where, yeah, where would you be connecting yeah, this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> actually, right now we are doing our simulations with a computer. Okay. We are using MATLAB device to yep. design a phantom, and again, we are using MATLAB to um, make a transducer. Again, MATLAB to transmit the sound. Yeah. All of them are, are going to be done in simulation. Okay. So after we made sure that our technique works, then we are going to move on uh, the real data set. But I think I'm not going to work on human, so Mm -hmm. the only clinical data set that I'm going to be used is the rats. Okay, rats
0: first. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But in future, maybe next PhD students are going to work more (laughs) on human.
1: So in the simulations, and this might be a dumb question, again.
2: No, no, no. Not in my (laughs)
1: background. When you're doing the simulations on the computer and you're I believe you said it was a phantom. Yep. Um, are you simulating like the body, a body part in this in this computer exactly. in the in the computer? Um, what what body parts are you sim are you simulating? What organs,
2: I guess? Uh, it's just a vessel. We actually um, simulate a five millimeter vessel oriented at forty five degree of the transducer and a water part or a tissue part are surrounding that vessel. Mm-hmm. It is a okay. really simple phantom, yeah.
0: Yeah, just a vessel. Yeah, Because yeah, I a guess vessel. you could connect it anywhere, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's really interesting. So for the computer modeling side, did you have to learn any computer code or doing any of that coding? Yeah, that's the hardest <laughs> part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us about your experience about that?
2: Um, actually, uh, for working on ultrasound, you should know a toolbox named Field Two. Mm-hmm. Field II and it was developed by uh, Dr. Jensen, Professor Jensen, in Denmark. And uh, by using that toolbox, you can, uh, you can simulate your transducer. And um, for uh, simulating your phantom, you need to place some random scatterers in medium. Yeah, I'm, by medium, I mean in your grid. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. And for the moving part, you should have a for loop to make ev- make uh, the scatterer that you want move at a constant speed. Yeah, that's, that part was really hard because every time that I tried my simulation, those part those scatterers didn't move or all of them were moving. Yeah. So uh, making some scatterer constant and some others moving was really hard.
1: Yeah, that sounds it, really complicated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my head around. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and just as an offset, when you say transducer, I don't know if you've ever seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. I keep <laughs> I keep hearing in my head um, Dr. Frankenfurter going, the transducer, the transducer. <laughs> I d- if you haven't seen it, it's a good movie. Um, I just wanted to return to this new technique that you had mentioned a couple questions ago. Yep. Um, I believe you called it spread spectrum technique. Yep. And you want to see if it works or mm-hmm. if, it, if it will make the images clearer. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that new technique? Why is it so um, novel? What What is it? What does it do? All of that fun stuff.
2: That's a actually great one. Um, the previous technique actually transmits signal in a linear order. By order, I mean a linear angle. Imagine uh, your range of angle is minus 3 degree to 3 degree. So the previous technique transmits signal like minus three, minus two, minus one, zero, one, two, three. Yep. Uh, but in spread spectrum, they propose to transmit signal in a random sequence. Okay. Two, zero, minus one, minus two, something like this. So it's randomized the phase of out of foc- out of focus echoes. So um, because sometimes uh, when uh, the patient moves, and so the the stationary targets are going to be it going to be moved when uh, he or she moved her, uh, her or his hands. So because of that, we are not going to have an accurate estimation of velocity. So by using this technique, we are going to eliminate those parts, and the thing that only remains is our field of interest, which is our vessel. Mm-hmm. So this is the distinction of a spread of spectrum and the previous technique. They transmit signal in a random sequence. Hmm. But the underestimation technique still remained, yeah. so we want to have that technique and improve the accuracy.
0: Right. Okay, this seems really interesting, and I especially was interested when you were talking about the application and how it's much cheaper and much smaller than yep. like mm-hmm. an MRI or CT scan. Uh, when do you expect the stuff that you're working on to make it out into the field? And maybe not your example in specific, but how long does it typically take for this kind of research to make it into common use? Is it Mm -hmm. years? Is it months? What's the timeline?
2: Yeah, actually this is a great one because um, the previous version of uh, ultrasound techniques was really time consuming because of the advent of GPU devices. Uh, They are They are more applicable right now. And I believe if we found a technique that uh, have a great estimation of velocity, that is not going to be so far to implement in the clinical devices, Mm -hmm. maybe after five to ten years. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That seems pretty quick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For medical terms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And since we're talking about common usage, and I know I know I asked you this question already about like medical applications for this this type of technology. but when you talk about velocity and um the speed at which I guess blood flows, mm-hmm. um, the type of ailments is what i'm going to I'm gonna say the type of ailments that this would be useful for. I'm thinking like our blood clots or or tumors would is that applicable to what you're
2: of course, I, I believe when someone has a tumor, the velocity of some organs must be different from those who doesn't have. So okay. by examining that, but for the tumor application, we, are, we mostly use the ultrasound imaging because we can easily see the tumor, the location and how big uh, is that tumor. So because of that, they prefer not to use Uh, Doppler ultrasound. Uh, Doppler ultrasound is uh, generally used for the contraction or expansion in some vessels. Yeah.
1: So, so different. Okay. So this is, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Um, (laughs) Go for it. So you're talking about this velocity. There's, there's different, I guess, speeds that indicate, again, different ailments. So is there, there are like, you, you know, I guess, if the blood's moving at X speed or whatever, this is probably what it is.
2: Yeah, that's the hard part because we don't know it. Mm. Okay. And by our simulation, we can know how our technique is accurate. So if you had a great if you have a great accuracy in our simulation, we should be pretty sure that it has the same performance in clinical dataset.
0: Mm-hmm. okay, yeah. And then the process usually goes from, like, computer models to rats That's and then to humans. Yes. I'm just wondering, how do you make that jump from one to the other? Like, how do you decide, like, okay, it's time to move into rats? And then what would you be looking for to decide, now we can try it in humans?
2: Um, That might be a kind honestly, of strange question, actually.
0: <laughs> like, parameters, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Honestly, I believe when my supervisor told me, okay, it's okay, time to yep. move our phantom, but I think... Um, if you remember, I told you about the complex phantom. Mm-hmm. If our technique works on those complex phantom, because um, for a pulsatile flow, uh, it should be working just like heart. It's yep. It changing rapidly and it has a high velocity. So if we could image that pulsatile flow, we can easily move to yeah. rat dataset, yeah. uh, rat uh, clinical dataset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm I'm kind of what maybe maybe you can't answer that yet. But what would those rat clinical trials look like like what would they be i guess aimed at at finding or um how would they measure the effectiveness of the technique because mm-hmm. that's you have simulations right so the it's computer but this is real life so i'm just imagining someone yeah. ultrasounding <laughs> a, a, a rat a little rat <laughs> uh,
0: a
2: rat's belly yeah <laughs> actually that is really um hard experiment and um I'm not work. I'm not going to work on that, mm-hmm. uh, and some clinicians are going to do that okay. because I think we should have a certificate or something mm-hmm. for doing it. Right. And for animals' right, we are not allowed to All right. uh, do this kind of yep. experiment. Makes And, sense. and I really, <laughs> uh, fascinating. I'm i really lucky to not doing this type of experiment because. As you mentioned, I think it's really going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw one of the experiments, and the rat was moving, and the clinician sti- uh, was constantly uh, replacing Aww. the transducer. Yeah. 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 It was really. That's hard. what
0: happens with real animals, because I work with r- with live animals too, <laughs> and sometimes, like, you'll be doing everything right, and then the animal is like, "Nope, <laughs> not, today. <laughs> not today," and you're like, "Okay, tomorrow, maybe we can do it tomorrow." <laughs> Probably yeah. not. Yeah. All the <laughs> ethics too. All right, well we are we have m- more minutes left. We have four or five minutes left. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your experience as an international student because you did your masters in Iran, and that's yep. pretty cool. How did you find that transition of moving to Canada and starting your degree here?
2: Um. Uh, During my master actually, I read one of my supervisor papers and I found another supervisor, another professor work really fascinating, Dr. Rivas in Concordia University Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the works of Dr. Brown in U of T. So I emailed them, Dr. Rivas and Dr. Brown told me they don't have opening right now and Dr. Lacefield, my current supervisor, told me I have opening. Mm -hmm. So I actually interested in his work. So because of that, I knew him already so I emailed him mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it, you moved to Canada. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: What do you think of Canada? <laughs> no, it's, what's your experience uh, been yeah. like?
2: Uh, it's perfect. Actually, it's completely different with Iran. I love everything here mm-hmm. but the weather. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, because right now it's <laughs>
0: April and it yeah. was snowing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, uh, let's see, Megan, do you have another question? Because I do have another one, but I, want go I don't want to keep going. you, 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 t- yeah, no, okay. I've cut you off enough. Uh, oh, okay. you, you ask the
1: question. <laughs> Here we
0: go. I want to ask you, what would be your dream job? Because I'm trying to imagine, like, what yes. what your next step would be. So what, what would be the, the goal? Uh,
2: actually, my dream job is being a professor. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So my next goal after finishing my Ph.D. is to study my postdoc. Mm-hmm. And after that, I really like to um, do my academic work rather than going to industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, that's re- so. T- the Tiang experience is exactly. good, yeah. yes, because <laughs> that can sometimes make or break it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't really like Tiang, I feel like everyone's like, nope, industry. <laughs> I'm going out. Yeah, yeah, and studying a similar thing.
2: Uh yes. Yeah. Uh, I had my bachelor's in biomedical engineering, my master mm-hmm. again biomedical, and my PhD. So I prefer yep. my post like in being biomedical, and I stick to this field. Mm-hmm. Yep. You yeah,
1: you like it. And um, do you have any social media that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, um, of
2: course I have LinkedIn account. So it's Kian uh, Line Esmaelian. Mm-hmm. So I post every uh, seminar or every uh conference that i attend mm-hmm. and every paper that i publish so i would happy if you connect with me in yeah. my linkedin account
1: we'll definitely make sure to put that in the description and yeah so we can get some people reading your papers because honestly you do really <laughs> really cool stuff and i i feel Thank like i need so to much. actually read it <laughs> to wrap my head around it but especially it's, now we have the background of like yeah. actually talking <laughs> to you i feel like it would be more <laughs> e- if, a little bit easier to understand now. if i'm squinting at you it's because you've said something and i'm like okay i have to i have to visualize this <laughs> yeah. and see it in my head but yeah. it is really interesting work and thank you sure, so yeah. much
2: yep. yeah
0: thank you so much for coming on the show it's thank, been you great so yeah. thank you so much for having me thank you so much it was a great all talk. right i will take us out this has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Emily Hutchinson, and my co-host was Megan Bull. We've been speaking with Kian Esmalian, and this episode was produced by Jordan Vanderberg. If you'd like to be involved with the show or get into contact with us, you can email us at gradcast Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at GradCastRadio. To listen to us, we're on Radio Western 94.9 FM, and you can also find all of our episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day.